0: This is the Transmissions from Atlantis Entertainment Network. Expand your wonder. Strike your colors, you brazen winch! Cause this be Brazen Winch Productions? ah! Hey there everybody. My name is JC Delatory
1: and I'm Rita Delatory.
0: And this is the listening party for chapter 1 of Continuum Force. So if you haven't listened to chapter 1 of Continuum Force, there is going to be spoilers. Spoilers. We're, spoilers. So definitely listen to that episode before you actually listen to this podcast. And basically what we're going to be doing is we are going to do kind of a, like a director's commentary of uh the episode and I have my two co writers for this episode, uh, Debbie Vigay, a New York Times bestselling author. Say hello, Debbie. Hello! And of course, Dr. Scott Vigay. Hello, everyone. And you may recognize their voices because they play two characters in the show Sharon and Eli, the Scherzbergs, the archaeologists that seem to always never agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's our process. <laughs> And of course, uh, Rita is one of my co-writers as well, but she is also Lieutenant Cox. Yay! I fix things. (laughs) You fix things, and you make things. (laughs) She makes things go. I make things go. And for those of you that don't know, um, I came up with the concept of Continuum Force. It was actually a short story in one of my short story collections that was published several years ago called Nightmares from Eberus. Funny story about that. Real quick aside, Eberus came about because I actually misspelled Erebus. <laughs> 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 and so anyway, uh, so continual <laughs> Force came from that, but it was a very different story from the one that eventually became uh, chapter one of this series. Thanks to the input of Debbie and Scott, I was able to kind of flesh it out a little bit, as well as include some things that we weren't sure if we were going to be able to include. And that's kind of what we want. To, I want to start with is... In the original uh, story, the pirate scene was much longer. Uh, there was a lot more action in it. Connor was the big hero, and he takes the bullet for, for the team and whatnot. But the person that we wanted to have as the pirate, Charles Vane, was uh, Sasha Zuba. And Sasha was a dear friend of ours, fantastic voice actor. He's acted in a whole bunch of movies. So he's he was one of our, our best resources for... For working in audio drama and unfortunately he got ill and passed away and all i had of sasha was his audition
2: yeah oh my
0: gosh and so what i wore i really wanted to include sasha because he was a, a very important key cog in in what we wanted to do with continuum force and uh so what i ended up doing was i cut down that pirate scene and was still able to use the audio and I just wanted to turn it over to you guys because you knew Sasha a lot longer than I did. Talk a little bit about Sasha.
2: Okay, yeah. Well, he was um, with me on Dr. Geek's laboratory from the very beginning. He was our original Mr. Creature. Uh, We met him as we met you guys uh, at a science fiction convention in Atlanta. Uh, It was uh, called Atlanta now. Anyway, it was originally um, called TimeGate, which was kind of cool. A Stargate Doctor Who convention. So how, how best to meet people who wanted to do something that was a little bit Stargate and a little bit Doctor Who. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know?
3: It, it, and Sasha was born in uh, Britain, and even though he left there when he was uh, a young kid, that still really stayed with him. So my first impression of Sasha was he kind of he kind of came into the room, swept into the room is more of how it was. You know, He was a force to be reckoned with. His mm-hmm. presence would always fill his face. And... He was like i don't know if i'm on this panel and we're like well you are it, now you are now I guess. <laughs> at which point he he brought he made sure that the hotel provided us hot water and he made everyone tea and i'm like yeah it, it, what so is happening it was, you know it was very unusual but very it was very uh quirky and very fun it was
2: our first panel at time uh at time gate yes it was late at night
3: yeah it was 11 p.m at night
2: and i don't know why they gave us an 11 p.m panel on the first day uh and it was dealing with vampires and doctor who <laughs> debbie had never seen any episodes so we uh, briefed her to them you know just before the panel and in comes sasha and it, he you know instantly was a friend mm-hmm. you know and a very very talented man uh and just a real shame that someone so young yeah passed away but man uh he, when he started to riff you just wanted to just let the you let the recording go, you know? Yes. Yep.
3: Rita,
0: what were your thoughts on Sash?
1: Uh, I mean, what, what else can I say? He was a light whenever he walked into any room. He's that type of person where it didn't matter if you've only met him once or twice. He came in. He gave you a big hug. You'd swear you've known him all your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just the way he was.
3: He was also a a perfectionist when it came to his art. I mean, he was he was a musician. He was an actor. He was a photographer. But one of the things that would amaze us when he was working with us on Dr. Geek's Lab is that it would be one line. It'd be a simple line like, you know, hi, how are you doing? And he would give us 80 takes, mm-hmm. <laughs> which would be overwhelming. It's But at the same time, you realize it's because that's how committed he was to getting it right. He yeah. would give you different readings. Yeah. He would give you different speeds and pacing and accent yeah, Even
0: even in continuum force, he uh, he gave me several takes of the lines <laughs> that we use. And so I was able to use the best ones that, that we were able to find. But it was I had so many to choose from. It was like, man, I just wish we could have gotten to do in, more in dialogue. A, yes.
2: In a in a 30-minute script with Sasha the, the edit process was daunting because we had to sit him down and go, look, pal, buddy, uh, it's okay. You're, you know, you're great. G- give us, you know, do as many as you want, but give us what you think is your top five. How about that? Would that be yeah, okay? But
3: he was... Did he, he
0: give you your top, his top 50? Yes. <laughs> but it was
3: because he was... I mean, it, it was hard at, Is the person had to edit or the person who had to choose, but at the same time, it really showed his commitment to giving everything he had to everything mm-hmm. he did.
0: Absolutely. And one of, the, one of the great things about actors that give you several different takes is because you're... A, a lot of... This is kind of inside baseball for some of you. Uh, a lot of times when we do our recordings, we're not all in the same location. So a lot of our actors can't interact with one another during the process. So as an editor, one of the toughest things to do is finding a natural uh, sounding uh, combination of the lines. You know, so you know, when Scott delivers a line and then I deliver a line, we want to make it sound like they're actually talking instead of you know, people giving lines. Right And s- Sasha giving so many takes allows you to really kind of hone in on well, you know, this kind of sounds good, you know with this line and it kind of matches up. Let's go with that. Right. Um, and so it's it's really great when actors do that. Um, I just wanted to add this about Sasha is that when when I first saw him, uh, he was sashing through uh, <laughs> through, sashing. through uh, time the timegate lobby, and it was the old hotel where you know it was basically Lobbycon where, you know, everybody kind of congregated. And it was almost like when I first saw him, I thought, I don't remember him in Doctor Who. But everybody seems to really... <laughs> I mean, He had the star vibe to him. Yes. You know, and he had such a unique look, you know, where it was almost like steampunk, but not quite. And it was just a Sasha look. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, it, it, and I thought he was um, a cast member for Doctor Who. I thought he was like one of the major guests of the, of the con, but it, he was just Sasha. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was that was one of the cool things. Anyway, back to the story. One of the interesting things that I had to do with this particular story, when we're trying to adapt it from the short story to the audio play, was how do I handle uh, introducing the characters? And one of the challenges that I had was I didn't uh, in the original short story Connor was the one that was being introduced to everybody, and I didn't want to start at Mission One with Connor, um, so that's why I brought in Cranston, and I kind—it ca- was kind of funny because I based Cranston kind of on uh, the South Carolina Senator uh, Le- Leslie, uh, what's his name? God, uh, I can I can picture him in my mind, but uh, he's the, he's the one that kind of talks like this. <laughs> anyway, I, I based him on that, and I wanted uh, Cranston to be kind of like part of an oversight committee. You know, almost like the... What was the IOA? and, and, and Soviet, yeah. yeah. And because you figure, you know, you're spending millions of dollars on this project. Somebody's got to be watchdogging it. Right. right? Somebody's got to be
2: accountable to somebody. Yeah. I,
0: I know I've gotten this question a couple times in that, you know, in one part, I'm talking about that they've been on a bunch of missions. And another part, it's mission one. And to clear that all up, because um, it was poor writing on my part, mission one to Cranston. That's the first one he knows about. Ah. But they've been going on missions for a while.
2: Yeah, and the, the clue to that is the log entry mm-hmm. number. Exactly. You know, that it doesn't say 0001. Exactly. You know? And and also, uh, I thought that it was kind of fun because we're dealing with time travel and anomalies and history being different. Mm-hmm. And just because the people on the base leave one thing doesn't mean what the outside world knows. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. true. Exactly. Um, so one of the interesting things I think about this particular episode is how we had to, uh, try to introduce the characters and, and also get the information that the listener needed to be able to understand what's going on in this world. What is our, our mythology in regards to time travel, you know, all that kind of stuff.
2: You you have a large cast. Yes. Yes. And, And, uh, and on top of that. There is um, some characters like us uh, that, that where the, the task is actually doubled. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on some shows, you would only have one archaeologist. Or you would indicate that there was a team, but you'd really only focus on Daniel. Yes. Right? Or something like that. Here, you had a, a, a lot of things. You had a team that stayed and a team that went. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge there was giving everybody a unique voice and a unique take on their task. Yeah, and with the uh, pilot, there's just so much to go through. Yeah, I, I think that the the uh, tour of the base is the best vehicle to get that through. Yep, because you have to introduce everybody. But uh, what I liked about the way our characters were introduced was you immediately got our banter, mm-hmm. and you got the kind of a sense that you know you, you, you should be asking yourself why are they working together? Yeah, <laughs> but it, but it becomes clear moving forward. So. Uh, that's kind of cool. And, and, uh, you know, Debbie and I had a great time doing it.
0: Yeah, and it was, one of the funny things was as we were going through the base and and, uh, we get to the part where Usamara is is listing the different rules and I'm thinking uh, through the series, we've broken that one. Yeah, we've broken that one and we've broken that one. (laughs) we've broken all of them in one episode. (laughs) Uh, So, so it's kind of funny how, you know, we have all these rules and we have this uh, mythology around it, but, you know, we still... Kinda well, I think
2: that's the it. whole point, though. Is like if you had rules and you obeyed them, what would be the drama? Right, right. In, in things like this, these rules are made to be broken. Yeah, they're Just more the like
1: line. guidelines than rules. They're more like
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well done, Rita. Yes. Yeah, yeah, you did know. that. <laughs>
0: so, so I know you guys originally in, in the story we went f- straight from the pirate uh, adventure to Apollo thirteen, but to kind of extend out a little bit the opening introduction of Continuum Force, we wanted to interject another story and help also introduce the concept of the anomalies that are happening all over the place. And you guys came up with Houdini.
2: Yeah. Talk a little bit about that. Okay, well, I, I, we were working on the script for a little while, and uh, a lot of what what we do uh, at brazen Witch Productions is STEM-based, so we wanted something that was... Uh, history based you know so you could have a little bit of an education, and also it, it, you know if they heard this story and wanted to look at you know look it up, they could get them to you know get off their uh, seats and onto the internet and, or to the library and you know actually investigate Houdini so that was kind of the idea, plus there was also the Houdini uh, mini series that had just aired, right, and we really enjoyed that mm-hmm. and then Debbie said, you know it's got to be something really small right <laughs>
3: It's so funny how two writers can sit there and have completely different perspectives on what happened, <laughs> you know?
0: Okay, so what's your perspective? My, well, my
3: perspective is uh, I, I've been obsessed with Houdini since I was a little girl, and I've been trying to work on writing a Houdini series for the last, you know, seven years. So I'm like, Houdini! We could totally do Houdini! <laughs>
2: yeah, but we were t- talking about it at the same time as it was on a e
3: See, I, I don't even remember that part. But. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is where the banter comes from.
2: So, you, you yeah, yeah. He doesn't even know how many years we've been married. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: But he doesn't know my birthday. Yes, so it's, it's okay. okay. The 30th. Oh, he finally gets it right. Uh, it only took 21 years, but we were married 22.
0: See, this is why it's so easy to write for these two.
2: <laughs> no, but what was, what was great uh, uh, um, about the Houdini thing was that it, by the time we were done... We weren't sure which one was real yes.
3: or not. It's hilarious because, okay, in in our history, supposedly, Houdini vanished an elephant, right? you know, which the, the theater actually had a troop of elephants, so he just took one of their elephants and poof, made it disappear, which was spectacular because of its size. You know, everyone was just kind of like awestruck. Um, so when we were writing the episode, we're like, well, let's turn that on its ear, and maybe he wasn't necessarily... You know, what if he wanted to vanish something else large, but he also wanted a spectacle that people hadn't seen at all? Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, a rhinoceros. A rhinoceros was not a common sight. You know, people had seen, people who had been in New York had seen these elephants, but, you know, they're not going to see the rhinoceros, right?
2: Right. And the other thought that, I, that we really liked uh, was the idea that if time had changed, that, you know, it's the, the it's the history that you know outside of our show. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, we're kind of implying that the, the you know, the, whatever's happening is real and it's affected your real history. Yes. You just don't know it. Right. Uh, yes. And so I, I liked playing with that a little bit too. Yeah.
3: We kept bouncing back and forth over that, you know, actually thinking about which way we're going to do it, you know, how, who, is it, which one's going to be the real one, the rhinoceros or the elephant? Yep. And what's hilarious is, um, even though I've been a fan of Houdini since I was a little girl, we went over the rhinoceros and elephant thing so many times that uh, right before we decided to record this, I actually did have to look it up because I'm like, <laughs> "What well, was it really? Yeah. You know what? What does history say it was? It was an elephant." Yeah. Okay, and I'm like, "Okay, cool," because I at that point I was so confused because I I was like, "Well, we've been talking about you know the." The elephant or the rhino for so long, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and I didn't remember which one it was.
0: When I talked to you guys about uh, joining this project, what did you think about that whole, you know, where we were going to kind of play with alternate history and and change history? Like later on, we 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 mess with Rome and Rome become and Rome never falls and things like that. Uh, what did you guys think of that?
2: Oh, I, I loved it. I mean, I, I just I really enjoyed that concept and a, a lot of like my favorite uh, stories of other shows are the ones that do that. The, the alternate earths, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's the Nazi planet. It's the, you know, this is the, the planet of the gangsters, mm-hmm. you know, all that, all that alternate history stuff. Yeah. Uh, or where influences, you know, change a society. Uh, so uh, that was a lot of fun. And I, what I liked about your writing style was that it, it was playful. Uh, it, you know, you had some serious stuff in there, like the, the closed timeline curve, yeah. But at the same time, you didn't get stuffy. Yeah. Uh, so that was, we, I knew we could play with it and have fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was uh, that was a big deal. And and again, because of the, uh, the, the STEM stuff, being able to actually play with real history mm-hmm. uh, and explore that was a, a great opportunity.
0: And for me, that was one of the important things was uh, in every episode that we have that has a historical element to it. JFK, all that other stuff. We have links back to historical resources that kids can go and click a link and find yeah. out what the real story
2: was.
3: Yeah, very much like the the TV show uh, Voyagers. Yes, you know, our history was wrong, but at the end they'd always say, "Take a voyage down to your local library. Yeah, it, it's it, all the books." Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. You know, want to
2: know more about the Wright brothers? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. One,
3: yeah, one of the things I really like is what Scott was saying about you know being playful but without being stuffy, but also taking things seriously. It, as a writer and a creator it's a very fine line to walk between being taking yourself too seriously and also but on the on the flip side being too you know too silly mm-hmm. to you know and not obeying any rules or not trying to set up internal logic and stuff right. like that so what i liked about it was you know we're we're you know we're working really hard behind the scenes you know for our own continuity <laughs> you know yeah. and, and you know Even if we can't explain how everything happens, you know, we still have, you know, five hour long discussions trying to figure it out. Even if we're never going to say so, or if it's going to maybe put, you know, you know, you might have one sentence about, well, it's this. And that, that represents, you know, us all, you know, discussing it and researching it for, you know, three, you know, three hours a day for a week. Yes. And and,
2: and building on that, the audio show was. The uh, several different iterations of this concept. Mm-hmm. So by the, time, by the time we got to the audio show, we had already worked with you on, on the concept as a whole in other formats. Yes, and I think that was key because uh, you had assigned us uh, stories to do. You said, mm-hmm. "You know, which which this is what we're going to do this year." Which ones do you want to do? Right, and we and we said, oh, I want that one and that one, yeah. and, and and we we worked together, but we also worked separately. Mm-hmm. And what I loved was, I said, look, you know, hey, I put this and this in here, and I'm hoping it comes back in your script. Mm-hmm. And you went, oh, okay, and we talked a little bit about yep. what I intended. And then you went with it, and yep. and what you went with was exactly what I was hoping for. Yep. And 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 vice versa. You also said, "Hey, Scott, put this in here, because yep. I need this." And you're like, "Oh, okay." You know, and yep. and uh, so that working relationship uh, has been a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. And Rita, I wanted to get you in on this because you also uh, wrote several of our episodes. Um, a couple of them that are some of my favorites. <laughs> um, so uh, talk a little bit about uh, being part of the Continuum Force writing team and you know f- figuring out this whole crazy history that we're we're, we're messing around with
1: uh, it, it it's really been a lot of fun and uh two of the episodes that i wrote uh which i had re- it was just so interesting to delve into uh first one was that black episode yep and
0: I've, For, about the black plague yep. yeah
1: about the black P- plague and i've always wanted to write something about that because I always found that moment in history to be uh, so fascinating because of the fact that you have this disease that didn't just hit England. Because when you think about the plague, you think about London, but it didn't start in London. It started, you know, off in like in the Middle East and it just literally swept the world and destroyed like a third of the human population,
0: Yeah,
1: right? It, 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 it's just mind-boggling the amount of human loss that this disease actually caused.
0: Yeah. And, and what I really, uh, and obviously we don't want to talk too much about that episode because once we're going to, we're going to do one of these for, for black later on. But what I really liked was the your ability to be able to play with the humor um, to make people uh, relatable. And, you know, like f- for example, in that particular episode, we met the person, John, right? Yes. And, you know, in, very a uh, very few minutes, you started to care about that character, and 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 then what ends up happening to him, you go so dark with that <laughs> <laughs> that that it's it's just uh, uh, shocking, you know. Well, it,
1: it, if you think about it, the other episode I wrote, kind of, you ended. did the same thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I did, yeah. thing
3: with it, it, you did the same thing. It was
1: very lighthearted at first, and yeah. then it just went totally dark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be- You're welcome.
2: Yeah, be, be wary of characters that she introduces that you care about if yes. they're doomed. And, and
0: I think we, we did that as a whole uh, as part of our writing team is, you know, we did a, l- a little bit of the Marvel method where, you know, we try to interject humor whenever we can, keep things light, and then towards the end, stuff gets real. Yeah, and, and, and
2: that's how you know it's important. Yeah. But yeah. When when your characters start to notice, then your audience notices too. Yeah. And I I think you know, with previous scripts... Uh, that's what's, uh, you know, she played with that very, very well. And what was great about it was you got that sense of like, oh, okay, uh, we got to sit up and take notice. You know, this, this isn't just some little event that just happened. Well, well
1: you got to think of it this way in regards to history. When they're going back in time, most of these people are people that have been gone for a very, very long time, hundreds of years, thousands of years. And at the end of the day, most people in history are going to have somewhat of a tragic ending, I think. Uh, so, yeah. having these dark turns uh, just seems to be inevitable sometimes. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, we can end it on a light note and, and we're lucky to be able to do that. But most times, things are not going to have a happy ending. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it's tough because, uh, you know, we have the bogeys changing everything and they are. Uh, they are the nemesis for season one and as they change there are there are consequences for it Um, you know if it's a subtle thing like with with uh, Houdini you know going from the the elephant to the rhino or the rhino to the elephant whatever it ended up being uh, you know that's that's not gonna really damage the history uh, history's you know story that much but when you're talking about things like Rome never falling uh, that's something that you know there might never be been America, or there might never been this or 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 that as a result, and then that has catastrophic uh, changes to it, yeah, and you know uh, like we played a little bit with j f k you know where what if j f k never died? what would that mean? You know what if it was jackie instead of j f k and you know how would how would he have reacted to that and and you know the whole thing with him and Khrushchev at it was a critical time in history, and so. Because we play around with that, there it t- seems to tend to, to go dark, just, <laughs> just out, out of necessity.
1: Because, yeah.
0: because, you know, what the bogeys are doing is bad for us as, you know, uh, and, and of course, we're a little bit American focused because it's an American show and, you know, it, it's the American military doing it. Um, and we, we've actually had uh, a few complaints that we don't go, we don't involve uh, other countries as much as we should
2: season 2 <clears throat> <laughs> exactly yeah. egypt is coming don't worry
0: right. yeah. uh, but but yeah so the weird thing about it though is that since america is one of the uh, premier countries in the world and it is still a superpower it is what
2: you know what if
0: america didn't exist right I and,
2: mean, we we shaped a lot of the 20th century and exactly. 21st century i mean so uh, and or, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So that, that impact, I mean, this is the question is, like, how far do you take it with it? Exactly. I, I think exactly. that, that the, the, the Rome episodes are great because you want to show that massive change. Right. Uh, and, but at the same time, you want to be able to write an episode where you can interact with people and not, you know, uh, eradicate Coca-Cola from history. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? yesterday? Yesterday. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I, 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 okay. how dare you? How dare you? I mean, okay,
2: I mean, which, which to take yesterday for an example, real quick. Yeah. you know, without the Beatles, I think that modern day would be dramatically different, absolutely. I think but because that wasn't the story they wanted to tell, they had to remove the Beatles without rippling as much as they should have. yeah. and and the the uh, director of the uh, movie and the writer both admit that. they yes. They said that, you know, honestly, the Beatles' impact on society and globally was so great that without them, really, we should have done more. Right. They didn't. And and in this case, we got a chance to do both. Uh, you know, so I, I, I liked how we do it. And, you know, as far as being American-centric, well, you know, Doctor Who, everyone speaks with a British accent, accent yeah right so yeah. Uh, you so, know so it kind of is what it is it, it is what it is yeah. and but it's a good it's a it's a fair note yeah and, and you know hey. and it's
0: something that we, that we'll definitely consider when we're looking at our storylines in the future and, oh absolutely and in our defense we did do a lot of outside of united states episodes after the first few yeah you know so uh i know like the first three or four are, are pretty u.s centric but after that i mean we were all over the place so
2: yeah i mean well you just you have to go beyond the initial story that you wanted to yeah. tell and 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 then go from there so it's it's well, fun
3: what what i also think is interesting though is yeah we're talking about what if rome never fell and yeah. how would that reshape the world but i think what we also have the opportunity to do is show how very small changes can also have very big impacts mm-hmm. when you look at it through the scope of history yep you know because uh, for example, Houdini, you know, what does it really matter if it was an elephant versus a rhinoceros? Why? I mean, you, you got to sit there and think about it. Why would they care enough to risk changing history, to risk losing their lives, to go back and make sure that it was, you know, an elephant mm-hmm. and not a rhino? Right. I mean, why the heck does that matter? Well, you got to start looking at who was in the audience that night. hmm. Who was, you know... Who was inspired Who by... was inspired or impacted by what they saw.
0: Yeah.
3: Right? When, and you, maybe it's some of the adults, but then you really got to start looking at the kids. Are these kids going to start... You know, are, Is what they're going to see going to inspire them to grow up to be engineers mm-hmm. or explorers or, you know...
0: And ripple effects. You
3: know, yeah, magicians, yeah. veterinarians, you know, uh, missionaries to, you know, places they want to go see the animals. Yep. You know, you have no idea... Who was in that audience seeing, you know, Houdini's event that night, that it it changed their life forever and they changed the course of history? Yep. Because we don't know. I mean, unless people actually say, I mean, there are some people that will tell you exactly what inspired them as a kid. Mm -hmm. And that way, you know, like we know that a lot of NASA scientists were inspired by the Star Trek TV show. Right. So what happens if you take away Star Trek? Well, you don't have, uh, you don't have the cell phones that we do today if you take away Star Trek. Yeah. I mean that's it's pretty clear, you know. And if we, even if we do have portable phones, they're not going to be the same by you know any any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. So that's what you. That's what we would like. You know, there's nobody that's come forward and said I saw Houdini's show and therefore I blah blah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just looking at statistics and just knowing how lives are affected and trajectories are affected, and looking at our own past, you know, for when we were kids, what impacted us and made us go in the directions we go. You know, somebody made a decision to do something yes. by sitting in that audience but, that night.
2: But I think that also shows the bogeys are being more surgical with mm-hmm. their, you know, whatever yes. whatever game plan they've got. Yeah, they are able to manipulate events far greater than we have an understanding of them. Yes. Yep. So it shows their uh, mastery or or the long game that they're playing yeah, and, yeah. I,
0: and i and that's a great point scott because i think we start to delve that into that in, in episode two when the general starts to reveal some things about people that that are talking different languages and things like that the bogey seem to have been kind of testing the waters just to see you know what will what will the everybody notice and i i think that that was kind of their master plan in that they wanted to be able to change history without humanity noticing. And then they could shape it the way that they wanted to shape it. All right, so um, one of the last things I did want to touch on before we go was uh, the situation where Connor gets knocked out. Because Lieutenant Cox, if you really think about it, probably should have been the person that would have been the next in command. But it ended up falling to buzz. And I think one of the reasons why I did that was in my head canon, and it's it's never been in in any of the of the continuum force episodes yet um, <laughs> that before connor came on my my view was that buzz was the commander and he never he couldn't hack it so they they kept looking for another commander they kept looking for another commander and you know every time they bring somebody on buzz would have that animosity that we saw at the beginning of this uh, of, of In this particular episode where he just thinks the guy's an idiot and he knows better than that guy. And then, you know, once he gets thrusted into the command situation, he fails.
2: I, it's interesting that you say that because uh, knowing what happens later, I thought that it was a deliberate uh, choice to put someone in second command that couldn't uh, jump in, into action. mm mm-hmm. That it was that they knew that he was going to choke, right? And and so uh, this was the first clue as to you know that something's wrong. Yes, because when you're the the most important thing about an executive uh, officer is to be able to you know you're one heartbeat away. From making the big decision mm-hmm. it just happened yeah. <laughs> you know now is your time it has arrived right and you better be able to to step up yeah. and the fact that Buzz doesn't especially with all the bluster and yeah. all the animosity that he openly shows to uh Connor I, 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 I there was definitely something there and that was a big big red light to the audience I yeah think.
0: and also one of the things that that we established early on in this particular episode, was that uh, Lieutenant Cox was a bit meek. You know, mm-hmm. she wasn't a take charge kind of person. Um, so that could also have been one of the reasons why Usamara and company decided to put Buzz as second in command instead of uh, Lieutenant Cox. Right. Um, but you're absolutely right, though. It, it, because of what we know down the line, there might have been some method to the madness.
3: Yes. Yeah. Well, it's, it actually reminds me of that movie from the 80s, uh, Space Camp. Where you know the the protagonist is the girl who's you know been training and she's good at everything and she wants to be the commander but they stick her as the pilot and she's right. mad for the entire film until everything you know everything goes wrong and the guy who is they put as the commander who seems like you know he's the guy that's not trying very hard he's the slacker you know when when it comes down to the moment and she the decision has to be made go or no go and it's going to kill somebody if they go, and if they don't go, they might all die, she freezes because making that decision over life and death is not something that everyone can do. Right. and he's in the, the time one, allowed. <laughs> yeah, in the time allowed. And he's been deferring to her this entire time because everyone agreed she should be the one in charge. Yep. But at the end of the day, he's the one that had to make the decision, and that was why he was the commander. Yep. You know, because it, it's true. The most competent person in the room might not be the one that needs to be making the decisions. You know, the one who's the best pilot or the best fighter or the best this or that might not be the one that needs to take on the, the moral responsibility or the burden of actually choosing who lives, who dies, what we do now, yep. how it's going to impact our lives and the lives of everyone around us.
0: Exactly. All right, folks, that basically does it for chapter one of Continuum Force, uh, the discussion, the lot, the listening party that we had. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have questions for us, um, please email us at hosts at transmissionsfromatlantis.com and we'll uh, start to incorporate some of your questions in regards to these episodes. Because uh, uh, I mean, we can we can do this all day, but at the same time, it's it's a lot more fun when you when our listeners actually give us the questions and you know want to know you know why did you make this decision? Why did you do that? So, Debbie and Scott, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks thanks for having you, us. thank you. Yep. And for episode two, we will be back and Grita and I will discuss everything that went into the Apollo 13 mission. Which was fun. All right, see you next time, guys.